As you all know, I have been looking for a building for, for Flourish Church. And one building I looked at in particular had a boiler system. Now, for those of you who don't know what a boiler system is, a boiler heats water and provides either hot water or steam for heating. Steam is distributed via pipes to stream to steam radiators, and hot water can be distributed via baseboard radiators or radiating floor systems, or can heat air via coil. What really caught my attention is that this entire building was heated by this boiler that was sending hot water through these pipes. And then this happened. It just happened, church. I didn't intend for it to happen, didn't mean for it to happen. And I don't want y'all to think that I'm crazy when I tell y'all this. I don't want y'all to judge me. I don't want y'all to post me on your favorite social media outlet. Because we're family, I'm going to let y'all in on this. It just happened. Didn't mean for it to happen, Bill. But a conversation started between me and those pipes. Yeah, the pipes, the pipes started, Crystal, they started talking to me. The radiated floor system started to preach to me. They said, hey, man, I said, I said, you talking to me? The pipe says, yeah, we're talking to you. I said, well, you can't be talking to me because because you're an inanimate object, and inanimate objects, they don't talk. The pipe says, well, sir, we're talking to you. I said, we're going to do this in front of all these people. They said it's either now or it's never. So I pulled the pipes to the side, and I said, go ahead, say what you got to say then. And they said, do you know this preacher that we don't produce our own heat? I said, yeah, but your point, the pipe says, think about this. It is what flows through us that makes us hot. I wish I had a church this morning. I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me already. They said, they, they said preaching now, now we want need you to think about this. It is what flows through us that makes us hot. And then it says, but check this out. We know that you're ready to shout. You're ready to give us a love offering uh, and I said, yeah, because I can use an inspection anyways, but, but, but I'm holding on to that. And the pipe says, and do you notice that when we get hot, we change the environment? I said, so you mean to tell me that when you get hot, the entire building gets hot, the pipes continue. They said, before you shout, let us finish. Besides... Your sermon is much longer than what we got to tell you. I said, you're crazy, but go ahead. It's not us that changes the environment, really, but what is flowing through us that changes the environment. The pipe said, now listen, because we don't want you to give us any of the glory, we're just willing vessels. So what you're saying is, Pipes, if I understand you're right, if, if I want to shout on the right thing. I don't just want to shout, but I want my shout to be trailing truth. And so I need to really understand this. And so what you're saying is the real power that changes the environment is what flows within. And the pipe says, yeah, that's basically what we're trying to say. I said, thank you very much. That'll help me preach to Flourish Church Sunday. And I was talking to pipes, but now I want to talk to you. I want to answer this question this morning. How do we get the power of God to flow through us in such a way that we become spiritually hot and as a result change our environment? I better run that back one more time just in case the saints missed it. I want to answer this question this morning. How do we get the power of God to flow through us in such a way that we become spiritually hot and as a result change our environment? I wish I had a witness this morning already. See, this is an important question to ask. Because just like the pipes, we have no power to change the spiritual environment unless God is flowing through us. 
Jesus put it this way. He didn't do it in the ways of pipes and boilers. He, he did it in the way of vines and fruit and branches. He says that, 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 that unless you abide in me, you will not be able to be effective. You can do nothing apart from me. I believe Jesus releases the secret to how to allow the power of God to flow through you in a private Q&A meeting with his disciples in a house in Caesarea of Philippi. Jesus is teaching and helping his disciples to not only understand faith, but get them to a place where they can live by faith. I wonder if they would be this morning. God doesn't just want us to understand faith in a cognitive kind of sense, but God wants that understanding of faith to transfer down into our hearts and then into our feet, into our hands, and by the way that we live. Somewhere I read, the just shall live by faith. Now, before we can join Jesus and his disciples in this house, we need to join them at the scene that sparked this Q&A. I want you to join me in Caesarea Philippi this morning. I want, you to, I want you to go into this house with me this morning. It's in the same Bible that you read. I want us to, to find our seat. Uh, we're at the house. I need you to go ahead and find your chair. What chair is going to be yours? Is it going to be the recliner or the kitchen table? We're going to gather around Jesus and his disciples as they go into this Q&A. But, 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 but before, before we get there, I got I to gotta catch y'all up first. Because if you're going to shout this morning, I want you to shout in context. If you would indulge me for a few minutes, I want to set up the context of this powerful story. Just give me a moment. Jesus has, or he has, he, he has just had a little getaway with his three closest disciples. These are his homeboys. These are his fave five, if you will. Fave three in this verse. These these are the people that he kick it with. They know his inner secrets, Miss Frida. These, these are not his associates. These are not those Facebook friends that you never talk to and never like anything that you post. Just keep looking at me. No, these are Jesus' real friends. Not his social media friends that just know the good side, right? These are the friends that know Jesus' deepest, deepest secret. As close as disciples, Peter James and John up in a very high mountain. There Jesus was transfigured before them. This word transfigured in the Greek, watch it now, is metamorphosis, which we get the English word metamorphosis, which means to change in constitution or, figure, figure, or, or, or physical form like a caterpillar into a butterfly. But what changed about Jesus in this setting was his complexion. Jesus Jesus lights up, if you will. His face is shining brighter than the stars, like the sun shining and all of his strength. The God-man has given them a peak, not all of it, but he's given them a peak of his glory. He has been covering his appearance, but, but now they see he is more than a teacher. He is more than a healer. And Demeter, he is more than a king. He is gloriously, holy, sovereign, preeminent, beloved son of God and dwelt with the fullness of God. Help me preach, Holy Ghost. So at the top of the mountain, watch it now, you have heaven opening up. And isn't it ironic, but simultaneously at the bottom of the mountain is darkness at work. Heaven is open. Darkness is at work. And now Jesus and his disciples come back down to the valley, back down to reality. Maybe you can relate already. You done had your prayer moment where you're in the house and, and, and you're all alone and, and you're having your moment with God and your kids are acting up in the kitchen. Darkness is at work in the kitchen. I'm not calling your kids evil. I'm just, you know, you get it. They're out of glory Back down to the struggling world. It's like Moses coming down from the mountain from the presence of God to faithless people waiting for him at the bottom of the mountain. Jesus comes down from being in his glorious presence of his father to the faithless people waiting for him below as well. This brings us to our text. It puts us right in the middle of all that has happened. Walk with me now. 
They're down in the valley now. The Bible says, and they came to the disciples and they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him to greet him. Down in the valley below are the other apostles. Uh, For our understanding this morning, I'm going to call them the nine pipes for our understanding. And perhaps some other assorted followers and disciples as well. What likely drew the crowd is their assumption that if his disciples are there in the valley, Jesus cannot be far off. They are really looking for Jesus, but remember, he is up in the mountain. Therefore, they must settle for the apostles. It's like when you go anywhere and you have a serious problem, you prefer to speak to the manager. I'm talking about when your problem is serious, Keith. I'm talking about a real problem, Corey. And you go to Walmart. And you didn't talk to everybody and their mama. And now you tried to do it over the phone, but now you didn't show up at the store. And when I show up at the store, I'm about business. I don't want to talk to the clerk. I don't want to talk to the cashier. I want to talk to who? I want to talk to the manager. I don't want to talk to nobody. Let me talk to your manager. Or better yet, when we're really hot, forget them. I want to talk to the owner. Now, when I want to talk to the owner, I mean business. When I'm at that point, I got one fruit on my spiritual tree left. Somebody better get somebody because they're going to see a side that old man. They're going to rise up in a minute. Y'all just keep looking at me. Y'all can play all y'all y'all want. Some of y'all probably did some this week. But sometimes when you can't get the owner, Lamont, and you can't get the manager, sometimes you just got to go with the supervisor. I want you to note that Jesus is gone, and they are left alone, his disciples, with a Satan-sized problem. What we have in our story is a boy in Mark chapter 9, a boy who was demon-possessed. And the question is, what will they do as Jesus enters into Mark verse 15. What will they do? How will they respond with no physical Jesus presence this time? The power was always in their midst because Jesus was always there. And so there was never a time when they didn't have the power because the very power itself was present. How do you access a Jesus you can't see, church? How do you access a Jesus you can't see? Here it is. By faith. You must believe that he exists even when you can see him and is able to do the impossible. The disciples, Mike, they're getting ready to fail in a major way in Mark chapter 9. Church, not only is there a large crowd and a demon-possessed boy, but the scribes are there as well arguing with the disciples. All of this is happening while Jesus is up On the mountain, the apostles not only get into a situation they can't handle, but Jesus' arch enemies show up. Now, this is a messed up scene, y'all. We see the scribes, and the scribes arguing with them. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? They are located around around Caesarea Philippi. There would have been Jewish towns and villages in the area on the north part of Galilee. There would have been scribes there. The scribes were always around Jesus. They were there for the purposes of discrediting him. There's no doubt they are making fun of the apostles, teasing them, trying to discredit their ministry. You know, this is, this is one way you can tell who's on Satan's side. They're usually on the sideline hoping and wanting God's people to fail. You know, sometimes it's those who say that they're Christians that want Christians to fail. Sometimes it's those who go to church that are against the church. They're always grumbling about their ministry, always gossiping, and the moment a follower slips, they are there to carry their head back to their master, Satan. They are usually in the church in Sunday services every week. The scribes didn't miss church. Y'all hear me this morning? They didn't miss it. They were there every week. 
Why is it that people who don't like you always want to follow you? Anybody know what I mean this morning? I mean, folks on the gram and on the book following you, and they don't even like you. And I'm like, take a day off. You don't even like me. Why do you want to make both of us miserable? And I would think if you didn't like me, you wouldn't want to be bothered with me all day. What I find interesting in a clear giveaway is that they are not on God's team. Note this, is that the boy is demon-possessed, and instead of them helping, they start cheering on Satan. Remember, church, unbelievers will always cheer Satan and his work on in the end. So we have a demon-possessed boy, nine cold pipes, apostles who can't help the Father, in an all-out debate between Jesus' apostles and the scribes. The religious leaders of the day in a very large crowd begins to form. And in Mark 9, it is crazier than a fight after school and thousands of kids everywhere trying to capture footage of it on their trusted Android phone, of course. And if I was Jesus, I'd have been mad. I'd have been upset. We got chaos in the valley. But now, friends, Jesus shows up. In verse 15, it says, when Jesus finally gets down off the mountain, they are amazed to see him. Now, this word amazed here is only used twice in the Bible. Both times it is used in Mark. When Mark says amazed, he uses it in the strongest sense. They ran up to Jesus and were in awe of him. Like when people used to see LeBron James or Luke Bryant, just keep looking at me. They are going crazy because the real deal has showed up. The the manager, the boss, has finally entered into the scene. He will be able, in their minds, to make sense of this, to straighten this entire thing out. Have you ever had a time in your life when things were in chaos and in trouble, and all of a sudden God shows up? And you kind of straighten your back up a little bit, and you say, God ought to be able to make sense out of this mess. We see this in verse 16. It says this, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. I need you all to watch this now. And whenever it seizes him, It throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. I asked your disciples to cast it out, underline, and they were not able. That's a problem. So Jesus inquires about what's going on. Notice that the nine disciples, our nine cold pipes, are dead silent. They have not changed the environment. Clearly, God is not flowing through them like he should. They have been humbled, and they have been embarrassed. They got into a fight, and they have lost. No, they ain't just lose-lose. They, 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 I mean, I, I mean, they flat out got mollywop. All of y'all who are 30 and older in the room. If you're in a fight, there's some fights where you should know good and well that you lost. You should not, if you got to ask somebody that you win the fight, you lost. I'm giving y'all some times when you know you lost the fight. If you got to ask, did you, did you win? You lost. That's number one. Number two, if somebody hands you your shoe, you lost it. You lost. Here your shoe. If somebody hands you your scrunchie for your hair, you lost. <laughs> okay, let's just be clear. Don't go back and see the footage. You lost that fight. And that's all right. Sometimes you got to take air. These dudes have lost the fight, and Satan is handing them their shoe. They are humble, and they are embarrassed. 
They feel like they should have been able to handle this only to not only disappoint the crowd, but Jesus as well. Can you feel the weight of the apostles? They failed. Do you ever fail God? Keep in mind, they have cast out demons before. Now, here's the, the, here's the crazy part, is that these dudes have cast out demons before. But these pipes are not getting hot enough to change the environment around them, and the question is why? And what we will discover here in a moment is their faith is too low. See, faith is like the thermostat that controls the heat. The higher our faith, the more spiritually hot we become because God can flow through us more. So finally, the father of the demon-possessed boy speaks up. By the way, Matthew adds, Matthew has this account in chapter 17, and Luke has it in chapter 9. And Matthew adds that the man was falling on his knees, falling on his knees. The owner shows up, the creator of the universe, the architect of the universe shows up, and he does what? He falls on his knees. He is desperate. And he came to the church, and the church couldn't help him. And Matthew says, that he calls him Lord. So this man has some faith in Christ and in his person as well as his power. Track with me now. He comes in a very reverent and humble way. Matthew also says he shouted. He, he shouted. Okay, I need you to catch that. Because when you got a situation, you ain't got time to be cute. You ain't got time to be thinking about what folks got to say. Sometimes you got to shout, snot coming down your nose, steer stained eyes. God, I need your help. No, 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 no. You ain't been desperate to God until you stop caring about what everybody's thinking. Don't care what you got to say about me. Don't care if you judge me. Don't care if you say you cry ugly. I don't care. I need help. I wish I'd stop reading the Bible in these American lenses. Oh, cute. Man, people was coming to God jacked up, messed up. God, I need you. I don't care. He got noisy. He loud. But he's desperate. And he needs someone that can help him. And he came to the right place. At the right time. What do you need help with? Casting his demon out of his son. Okay. Let's, let's keep traveling together. But I see we got some people lagging behind in the crowd, so I need to bring them with us. For those of you who are already tracking me, give me a moment so I can get the rest of our brothers and sisters on this journey with us because I need y'all to understand what kind of demon we are dealing with. So I need you to understand that demons, first and foremost, are fallen angels that take up residence in people sometimes. And the demon had caused this boy at the end of verse 17, Kayla, to be mute. Not only mute, we found out later in the story that he was also deaf. The boy could not hear. The boy could not speak. He had to, it had to do with this demonic control. And none of this is a result of a physical issue, but a demonic issue. In today's world, they would have given him a prescription and sent him home or wrote him off as a lunatic. Understand, church, some issues, not all, are spiritual and need to be dealt with as spiritual. And some issues you take to the doctor. But there are some issues only God can fix. There are some things that only the almighty God of the universe can fix. There is coming a day in your life, a situation, a circumstance that no person is going to be able to resolve for you. And at that point in your life, you are either going to have to trust God or be hopeless. And it's coming for all of us. And if you think it's not a, a living situation, waiting until death comes knocking at your door. 
Understand, church, some issues, not all, are spiritual and need to be dealt with as spiritual. And some issues you should take to the doctor, but there are some issues only God can fix. And some of your addictions in your life are systems of, uh, symptoms of spiritual problems. There's some addictions that we have that are spiritual problems. And they need a soul physician. Luke adds that the boy, when seized by the demon, suddenly screams. And this is where the sort of general diagnosis comes in Matthew 17. He's a lunatic. The demon periodically produces this boy over, uh, 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 periodically shows power over the boy and makes him scream and then it slams him to the ground, slams him to the ground. There's a strong verb again, concussion after concussion after concussion. Understand, church, that the demons are real and powerful. Satan says, Satan says in Hebrews 2, is even given the power of death. That's all within God's permission. Satan is a great power in the world. His demons are a great power in the world. This father knows all too well their power. He has been living with one under his own roof. Now, it's a real demon because some of y'all may think y'all living with one, but hold on now. Don't go diagnosing people. I know another demon passing you. I tell you, <laughs> you just see me at this hour. I'm telling you. Mark explains that the father... <coughs> Mark explains that the father would have to save his son from the fire in the water the demon would throw the boy into. Can you imagine out at Walmart, out at, out at Meijer, I'm trying to make sure I get your store, maybe Target, maybe Chick-fil-A, maybe B-Dubs, right there on 30 with your kids, and you taking them, maybe back to school shopping, and you taking them. And you holding them by the hand, and every time you turn around, your kid is trying to run into the middle of 30, trying to kill him or herself. Can you imagine the weight of this father? He is tired. You ever been tired of Satan destroying lives or your life? Have you ever been tired, church? I'm talking about tear-stained eyes. I'm talking about soaked pillows. I'm, I'm tired of Satan exercising power over my family. Remember what Ephesians 6 says, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So the father explains the situation to the great soul physician. And I want to know, Jesus is really asking these questions, not for his own sake. No. No, that's not why he asks. He's actually asking the questions for the sake of his disciples in this conversation that they'll have in a minute when we get to the crib. Make sure you got your seat because we're going there. So how does Jesus respond in verse 19? We're all on the same page now. We know what we're dealing with. Faithlessness angers God. Watch this. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20, and they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has, he, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him in a fire and into water to destroy him. Jesus is not happy right now when we get to this part of the story. I know y'all always see Jesus is happy, perm, hair, all that good stuff, no. Jesus is not happy right now. His words are harsh. He says, oh, unbelieving generation. And Luke says, he added, perverted generation. How did you get so twisted so fast? He's not happy. As the words fell from his lips, maybe the disciples thought of Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 is an incident on the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 32, just a couple verses, verses 5. You are a perverse and crooked generation. Verse 20, they are a perverse generation. Some sons, S-O-N-S, in whom there is no faithfulness, no trust. Nothing upsets God 
like a faithless people. It is impossible to please him without faith. No, y'all don't understand. No, the just must live by faith and not by sight. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. No, man, I'm telling y'all that this has been my journey right now with this church transition. I'm preaching to myself now. I mean, I've been having to walk by faith. I said, God, would you give me the rest of the story, please? No, Dex, you're going to have to walk by faith. And the thing that's frustrating about walking by faith is everybody got questions that you can't answer always. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this to y'all. If y'all going to do this thing, if y'all going to walk with Flourish Church, you're going to have to walk by faith, baby, because I ain't got all the answers for you. People want to know what, when, where, how. I'm like, I don't know. All I know is that he's able. That's all I got. That's all I got. This is what happens in the Exodus. God continues. Remember in the Exodus, we were just in chosen Moses. God continues to show himself mighty and faithful to be God. Yet, come on, don't judge them. You can relate to him. God has done some some, some Exodus, Red Sea parting in your own life, right? God continues to show himself faithful. Another circumstance come, we start doubting. Well, I don't even know if he's real. I should be married by now. I should be out this situation by now. We judge whether he's God depending on how well the circumstances is, but he is God regardless of what our circumstances are. Okay, let's keep going. Yet they keep doubting him. When we keep doubting God, he must keep teaching us the same thing over and over. Right? Can you relate to this? Same relationship issues because you keep trusting yourself. Same money issues because you keep things, keep trusting yourself. Always worrying because you keep looking at everything but God. And I can relate to you because I know, I know, I know, I know that it's hard. God, I'm trying to focus on you, but, but the situation looks beyond you. And I keep doing this. I'm trying to do this. But why couldn't they cast the demon out? Is it because they needed more demon casting training? Is it because they were not using the right technique? Did Jesus say, remember, I told you how to hold your arm. I said 90 degree angle. What I did is I had the fingers together. You got to split the fingers and you got to come up and you got to come over on the head. Is that what they needed? Some churches, that's what they'll show you. Won't they teach you that? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Y'all know. I say do this. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. They didn't fail because they didn't spread their fingers. They failed because their faith was too small. Okay, now watch it. We got two problems. So you see, there are really two problems. A demon-possessed boy and a lack of faith. Do you see it? Are you with me? Are you walking? We're almost to the house. Lack of faith, demon-possessed boy, this is our problems. The solution to casting out the demon is for them to have faith in God. But they lack that. So you should be asking, preacher, if faith is what is needed, in order to cast the demon out, how in the world do they get the faith that they need? Now let's watch the father at the end of verses 22 and 23. The father says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You can hear the doubt of the father in this. If it is possible for you, can you help me out? I love Jesus. Watch this. And Jesus says to him in verse 23, if you can. If you, if you what? You want to run up? You ever had somebody say something to you? You knew that you were good at, if you can cook, can I cook? I'm talking about you know you can do something. Can I hoop? Can I hoop? You ain't heard? 
You ain't seen? Jesus is like, if I can, do you know who you're talking to right now? I'm the one who spoke and the world came into existence. I'm the one who's holding your body together right now. I'm the one who, who's holding the universe together, if I can. You got to be kidding me. It's what I'm serious. And we come to God like, you know, Lord, I don't, you know, I want to ask you too much, you know, because I know you run in the universe. It's really our lack of faith, but we try to, you know how we try to do, you know, because I, you know, I got faith. I believe the Lord, but I know that he's busy. So, so, so because I, because I'm thoughtful, not doubtful, thoughtful, because I'm thoughtful, I put a plan B in place just in case. He get too busy and can't do plan A. We know good and well that ain't what's going on. Lord, if you don't do it the way I told you to when I prayed, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got something else just, just in case. Jesus says, how can that be, a, be even a question? Do you not know who I am? This is light work for me. This is light work for me. This is easy work. This is easy. This, this, this ain't even a competition. No demon, no devil is a competition for me. I'm the same God in a couple chapters later who will descend to hell, be Satan, take the keys, and then I will rise victoriously from the dead. Is it possible? I'm God. Impossibility for me is never in question. Church, there is nothing, 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 there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do outside of life. The real question is not my ability. The real question is your faith. Remember verse 23, all things are possible for the one who believes. We should approach everything with, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, that's big faith now. That's big faith. Faith that says nothing is impossible for God. I pray that God restore somebody's faith right now. That nothing is impossible for him. Tony Evans says, little faith is when you believe the lies of Satan more than God. Great faith sets no limits on what God can do. Little faith sets enough things in place so that if God doesn't show up in the way you want him to, I'll still be okay. In other words, God, I trust you, but I got a plan B. Great faith is when you trust God for the very thing you've been wishing for. Now watch this. And even if he does the opposite, because he don't always do, he don't he don't, he don't always, I know they preach this stuff in church, oh my goodness. He don't always do what you want him to. Sometimes he does the opposite. But real faith says, Miss Frida, here it is. Though he slay me, yet shall I trust. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, faith doesn't control God. It trusts God. And it submits to God. And it depends on God. Faith doesn't control God and make you the God that tells God what to do. No, 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 no. Faith gets up under God. It trusts God. It depends on God. It leans on God. And it says, not my will be done, but your will be done. Let's get a clear understanding of what faith is. And then secondly, faith is a gift from God. We see this in the Father's request. Faith comes from Jesus. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. What do you mean? All things are possible to those who believe, but to what degree do you need to believe? I do believe, help. He used the same verb, but they all again, run to my unbelief. No, 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 God, no, 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 God, I need you to, I need you to come and save me from my own doubt. Can we be honest Christians in the place 
Because sometimes we got doubt and we got unbelief and we're drowning like Peter when he stepped out of the boat. He started drowning. What did he do? Did he look to himself? He called on Jesus to come rescue him. Run to my aid. So what do you do when you lack faith? Do you need to muster it up? Do you need to look to yourself? No. You ask the Father to help you. Verse 25. And when Jesus saw the crowd come, came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. So quickly he acts, he rebukes the unclean spirit. He rebuked it. Matthew says it came out of him at once, saying to it, you deaf, dumb or deaf, mute spirit. That's where we get the deaf part. Jesus said that he was deaf. The father may have not known that what causes him not to speak. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. Verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand. This part I love. Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up. And he got up, or better, he stood up. He stood up. Such a beautiful picture here. Luke asks, Jesus gave him back to his father. You missed it. You missed it. Watch the tenderness of Christ. What a magnificent scene here. Watch it now. Church, in this we see the father didn't just come to some power source. He came to a person. Jesus isn't just power for you to access with your faith, but a person to embrace with your faith. He cares about the boy. He takes him to his father. This has now become a wonderful lesson for his disciples, and now we are at the house for the Q&A. Time with God will make you spiritually Time with God will make you spiritually hot. And when he had entered the house, his disciple asked him in private, because they ain't want to say it out there. They already embarrassed. You know how it is. Uh, I'll wait till we get, ain't nobody around. You know, then I ask my question. They say, hey, 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 Jesus, uh, now that everybody gone, uh, we in this house. And the rest of us, we there right now, too. We just look at it. Oh, it is. They at the kitchen table. You can, t- you can tell they've been wanting that. You know, they've, been, they, they've had this question burning for a minute because they just got beat up outside and got their shoe handed to them. <laughs> and so, you know, once you get beat up once and somebody hands you your shoe, you never want that to happen again. <laughs> Y'all not with me yet. <laughs> it's all over social media. It's everywhere. And so here it is, Mama Frida. They, they don't want this to happen again. So they with Jesus, Caleb, and they say, uh, a butter rum, can you come in? <clears throat> they came into the house. And we don't know what house, but some house in Caesarea Philippi, somewhere came into a house, and it's teaching time. Jesus knows he will not be with them much longer, and they must learn how to live by faith. So he says to them in verse 20, because of the littleness of your faith, here we go again, the problem with you is your faith, so small, oh, ye a little faith. That is something he said to them again and again. We see this in Matthew 6.30, Matthew 8.26, Matthew 14.31. Just look up all the times you say, oh, ye of little faith. Matthew 16.8, Luke 12.8, oh, you of little faith, oh, you of little faith. So his disciples begin to question him privately. This is the greatest way to teach question and answer. Why couldn't we drive it out? Which means they had, they tried, but they couldn't do it. We did it before. We did it back in chapter 6 when you empowered us and sent us out two by two. Why couldn't we do it? We were yelling. We were shouting. We were running. We were rebuking in your name. We were binding in your name. We were doing karate kicks. We were spreading our fingers. Why couldn't we do it? Faith is too little. Okay, we got that, Jesus. But how do we get faith? And he said to them, watch it now. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Oh, you missed it. Oh, you missed it. Okay. Okay. A 
Okay, you missed it. This thing can only come out by, by prayer. This kind, genos, this species, this kind of spirit, this kind of unclean spirit. In other words, the power you're looking for is only found in spending time with the Father. Prayer is a form of spending time with God. Oh, I'm teaching better than y'all talking to me. Listen, Flourish Church, faith doesn't just come. Faith grows in the presence of the Father. If you want God to flow through you like hot water through pipes, time, time, time with the Father is how you're going to do it. See, the pipes understand they can't change nothing without hot water flowing through them. And we too can't change anything without God flowing through us. And we will just continue to fail. And when I talk about time with God, I don't mean read your Bible and go do what you really want to do. I'm talking about meaningful time with God. I promise you, I know I kept y'all too long and I'm almost done. But I got to drive this point home. Last week, I talked about real fellowship. Y'all remember I talked about fellowship with one another. Remember, we wanted to get to a level four or a level five in our fellowship with one another, not this little play church stuff we do. You know, we like to play church. Hey, how you doing? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. <laughs> Got, and, 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 and the whole time in the inside, one more thing get on me and I'm going to crack right down the middle. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I just love my church almost getting ready to walk away from the faith. No, no. What Jesus is telling his disciples is if you're going to have power, you got to have a real relationship with God. Because if you don't, Satan will expose you. Didn't he do that to them? Let me remind y'all what a level four and a level five is, but what was a level one? Remember, level one was this kind of like cliche. It's non-sharing. It's when we close ourselves in. We say things like, good morning, how are you? Fine. Nothing is being said there. Level two is this kind of fact sharing, what you know, who won the game. Nothing's really being shared there. The heart is not being shared there. I'm not really opening myself up. Level three is this kind of opinion sharing what you think. Who will win the Super Bowl? It's my opinion. You still don't really, you really stay real, don't really, you still don't really know me. But then when we get to level four and five, this is when we start opening up. Emotive sharing, how you feel. I'm angry today. I'm mad at God today. My kids are driving me crazy today. I'm telling y'all, my, my faith is weak this morning, kind of, kind of realness. I'm lacking self-control. Temptation is cornering me in. This is when we really start opening up. And level five is transparency, showing who we are. Really, really land ourselves on the line. And I know that is scary, but can I tell y'all that you don't just gotta, you don't just do that with one another, but God wants you to do it with him. God wants to know you, church. This is what Jesus is saying about prayer. Let's get real and let's get honest. If you don't believe me, because I know church didn't mess some of y'all up. Because the only thing you could have is 100% faith, Enjoy. That's all you have in church. Church supposed to be the realest place, but they'll make you the fakest thing out there. Because you know what? Because we got away from the gospel of grace. Let me read y'all one of David's songs. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. If you read the Psalms, you'll understand why. Watch how honest he is with God. Now, this is the message translation. I think he really kind of give us a little bit of commentary here. Say, he says, get up, God. Are you going to sleep all day? Wake up. Don't you care what happens to us? Why do you bury your face in the pillow? Why pretend things are just fine with us? 
And here we are flat on our faces in the dirt, held down with a boot on our necks. Get up and come to our rescue. If you love us so much, help us. You see, faith even turns its complaints towards God. And he is brutally honest. And he is brutally open. Because true pursuit of God is not religion but relationship. Check out Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, you have deceived me. I was deceived. You are stronger than I. You have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. Friends, I want you to feel the writers in the Bible are so honest with God. Because they have a relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you that if you want power to flow through you, you have got to have a relationship with the Father. And I wouldn't believe it myself if it wasn't testimonies in the Bible. Every person I know that has done something mighty for God has had a relationship with God. Ask Moses. Before he crossed the Red Sea and got into the promised land, he said, God, if you don't show me your face, don't you send me over there. Ask Abraham when he called him that he had a relationship. Ask David who took down mountains and lions is because he had a relationship. Ask Esther who went before the king is because she had a relationship. Ask the three Hebrew boys who went into the fire. And what did they say? Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we won't bow to your God, but we know that even if our God doesn't deliver us, we won't bow to you. Why? Because they had a relationship with God. And the reason why I stress intimacy with God is because where this church is going will take faith. You're going to need God to flow through you. And we're going to need God to flow through us. We are working on a vision night to bring this body into what God is calling us to do. But to give you a glimpse, we will be going into neighborhoods working to really help change the city of Gary. And listen, we are going to need people who have the power of God flowing through them. No, y'all don't understand. Yeah, 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 pastor, we want to, yeah, we want to serve God. We, we, we want to reach all people until all people start coming. No, we, we said all people, not them people. We need people that are spiritually hot. So I encourage you to spend time with God. Spend time with God individually and collectively because I believe if enough of us get hot, we can change the world. We can change the world. Do y'all believe that Gary, Indiana is cake work for God? It's cake work for him. <laughs> 